Chapter Sixteen of Adeline Mowbray by Amelia Alderson Opie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pam Moscato. Chapter Sixteen. This is the most awful moment of my life," said Adeline, "and the most anxious one of mine," said Glenmurray. "If Mrs. Mowbray forgives you, it will be probably on condition that, whatever be the conditions, I must accept them," said Adeline. "True." returned Glenmurray, wiping the cold dews of weakness from his forehead. But no matter, at any rate, I should not have been with you long. Adeline, with a look of agony, pressed the arm she held to her bosom. Glenmurray's heart smote him immediately. He felt he had been ungenerous, and while the hectic of a moment passed across his cheek, he added, But I do not do myself justice in saying so. I believe my best chance of recovery is the certainty of your being easy. Let me but see you happy, and so disinterested is my affection, as I have often told you that I shall cheerfully assent to anything that may ensure your happiness. And can you think, answered Adeline, that my happiness can be independent of yours? Do you not see that I am only trying to prepare my mind for being called upon to surrender my inclinations to my duty? At this moment they found themselves in the door of the hotel. Neither of them spoke. The moment of trial was come, and both were unable to encounter it firmly. At last Adeline grasped her lover's hand, bade him wait for her at the end of the street, and with some degree of firmness she entered the vestibule, and asked for Dr. Norbury. Dr. Norbury, meanwhile, with the best intentions in the world, had but ill-prepared Mrs. Mowbray's mind for the intended visit. He had again talked to her of her daughter, and urged the propriety of forgiving her, but he had at the same time renewed his animadversions on her own conduct. "'You know not, Dr. Norbury,' observed Mrs. Mowbray, "'the pains I took with the education of that girl, and I expected to be repaid for it by being styled the happiest as well as the best of mothers.' "'And so you would, perhaps, had you not wished to be a wife as well as a mother.' "'No more on that subject, sir,' haughtily returned Mrs. Mowbray. "'Yes, Adeline was indeed my joy, my pride. "'Eh, and pride will have a fall, and a devilish tumble yours has had, "'to be sure, my old friend. "'Zounds, it has broke its knees, never to be sound again.' "'At this unproprietous moment, a lady to Dr. Norbury was announced, "'and Adeline tottered into the room. "'What strange intrusion is this?' cried Mrs. Mowbray. "'Who is this woman?' Adeline threw back her veil, and falling on her knees, stretched out her arms in an attitude of entreaty. Speak she could not, but her countenance was sufficiently expressive of her meaning, and her pale sunk cheeks spoke forcibly to the heart of her mother. At this moment, when a struggle which might have ended favorably for Adeline was taking place in the mind of Mrs. Mowbray, Dr. Norbury injudiciously exclaimed, "'There, there she is!' Look at her, poor soul. There is little fear, I think, of her ever rivaling you again. At these words Mrs. Mowbray darted an angry look at the doctor, and desired him to take away that woman, who came, no doubt, instigated by him, to insult her. Take her away, she cried, and never let me see her again. Oh, my mother, hear me! In pity, hear me! exclaimed Adeline. As it is for the last time I will hear you replied Mrs. Mowbray, for never, no, never will I behold you more. Hear me vow. 
mother for god's sake make not a vow so terrible cried adeline gathering courage from despair and approaching her i have grievously erred and will cheerfully devote the rest of my life to endeavor by the most submissive obedience and attention to atone for my past guilt atone for it impossible for the misery which i owe you no submission no future conduct can make me amends away i say your pretense conjures up recollections which distract me and i solemnly swear hold hold if you have any mercy in your nature cried adeline almost frantic this is i feel but too sensibly the most awful and important moment of my life on the rest of this interview depends my future happiness or misery hear me o my mother you who can so easily resolve to tear the heart of a child that adores you hear me reflect that if you vow to abandon me for ever you blast all the happiness and prospects of my life and at nineteen tis hard to be deprived of happiness for ever true i may not long survive the anguish of being renounced by my mother a mother whom i love with even enthusiastic fondness but then could you ever know peace again with the conviction of having caused my death oh no save then yourself and me from these miseries by forgiving my past errors and deigning sometimes to see and converse with me the eager and animated volubility with which adeline spoke made it impossible to interrupt her even had mrs mowbray been inclined to do so but she was not nor when adeline was done speaking could she find in her heart to break silence it was evident to dr norbury that mrs mowbray's countenance expressed a degree of softness which argued well for her daughter and as if conscious that it did so she covered her face suddenly with her handkerchief now then is the time thought the doctor go nearer her my child said he in a low voice to adeline embrace her knees adeline rose and approached mrs mowbray she seized her hand she pressed it to her lips mrs mowbray's bosom heaved violently she almost returned the pressure of adeline's hand victory victory muttered the doctor to himself cutting a caper behind mrs mowbray's chair mrs mowbray took the handkerchief from her face my mother my dear mother look on me look on me with kindness only one moment and only say that you do not hate me mrs mowbray turned round and fixed her eyes on adeline with a look of kindness and adeline's began to sparkle with delight when as she threw back her cloak which hanging over her arm embarrassed her as she knelt to embrace her mother's knees mrs mowbray's eyes glanced from her face to her shape in an instant the fierceness of her look returned shame to thy race disgrace to thy family she exclaimed spurning her kneeling child from her and canst thou while conscious of carrying in thy bosom the proof of thy infamy dare to solicit and expect my pardon hence ere i load thee with maledictions adeline wrapped her cloak round her and sunk terrified and desponding on the ground why what a ridiculous caprice is this cried the doctor is it a greater crime to be in a family way than to live with a man as his mistress you knew your daughter had done the last therefore tis nonsense to be so affected at the former come come forget and forgive never and if you do not leave my house with her this moment i will not stay in it my injuries are so great that they cannot admit forgiveness what a horrible unforgiving spirit yours must be cried dr norbury and after all 
I tell you again that Adeline has something to forgive and forget too, and she sets you an example of Christian charity in coming hither to console and comfort you, poor forsaken woman as you are. Forsaken? exclaimed Mrs. Mowbray. Eh, why, and for whom was I forsaken? There's the pang, and yet you wonder that I cannot instantly forgive and receive the woman who injured me where I was most vulnerable? Oh, my mother, cried Adeline, most indignantly. And can that wretch, though dead, still have power to influence my fate in this dreadful manner? And can you still regret the loss of the affection of that man, whose addresses were a disgrace to you? At these unguarded words, and two just reproaches, Mrs. Mowbray lost all self-command, and in a voice almost inarticulate with rage, exclaimed, I loved that wretch, as you are pleased to call him. I gloried in the addresses which you are pleased to call my disgrace. But he loved you. He left me for you, and on your account he made me endure the pangs of being forsaken and despised by the man whom I adored. Then mark my words, I solemnly swear, dropping on her knees as she spoke, and I call on God to witness my oath by all my hopes of happiness hereafter, that until you shall have experienced the anguish of being forsaken and despised as I have been, till you shall be as wretched in love and as disgraced in the eye of the world, I will never see you more or pardon your many sins against me. No, not even were you on your deathbed. Yet no, I am wrong there. Yes, on your deathbed, she added, her voice faltering as she spoke, and passion giving way to a degree to the dictates of returning nature. Yes, there, there I should. I should forgive you. Then I feel that you will forgive me soon, faintly articulated Adeline, sinking on the ground, while Mrs. Mowbray was leaving the room, and Dr. Norbury was standing motionless with horror, from the rash oath which he had just heard, but Adeline's fall roused him from his stupor. "'For God's sake, do not go and leave your daughter dying!' cried he. "'Your vow does not forbid you to continue to see her now.' Mrs. Mowbray turned back and started with horror at beholding the countenance of Adeline. "'Is she really dying?' cried she eagerly. "'And have I killed her?' These words spoken in a faltering tone, and with a look of anxiety seemed to recall the fleeting spirit of Adeline. She looked up at her mother, a sort of smile quivered on her lip, and a faintly articulating, I am better. She burst into a convulsive flood of tears, and laid her head on the bosom of her compassionate friend. She will do now, cried he exultingly to Mrs. Mowbray. You need alarm yourself no longer, but alarm was perhaps a feeling of enjoyment to the sensations which then took possession of Mrs. Mowbray. The apparent danger of Adeline had awakened her long dormant tenderness, but she had just bound herself by an oath not to give way to it, except under circumstances the most unwelcome and affecting, and had therefore embittered her future days with remorse and unavailing regret. For some minutes she stood looking wildly and mournfully on Adeline, longing to clasp her to her bosom and pronounce her pardon, but not daring to violate her oath. At length, I cannot bear this torment, she exclaimed, and rushed out of the room, and when in another apartment she recollected and uttered a scream of agony as she did so, that she had seen Adeline probably for the last time, for voluntarily she was now to see her no more. 
the same recollection occurred to adeline and as the door closed on her mother she raised herself up and looked eagerly to catch the last glimpse of her gown as the door shut it from her sight let us go away directly now she said for the air of this room is not good for me the doctor affected beyond measure at the expression of quiet despair with which she spoke went out to order a coach and adeline instantly rose and kissed with fond devotion the chair on which her mother had sat suddenly she heard a deep sigh it came from the next room perhaps it came from her mother perhaps she could still see her again and with cautious steps she knelt down and looked through the keyhole of the door she did see her mother once more mrs mowbray was lying on the bed beating the ground with her foot and sighing as if her heart would break oh that i dare go in to her said adeline to herself but i can at least bid her farewell here she then put her mouth to the aperture and exclaimed mother dearest mother since we meet now for the last time mrs mowbray started from the bed let me thank you for all the affection all the kindness which you lavished on me during eighteen happy years i shall never cease to love and pray for you mrs mowbray sobbed aloud perhaps you will some day or other think you have been harsh to me and may wish that you had not taken so cruel a vow mrs mowbray beat her breast in agony the moment of repentance was already come it may therefore be a comfort to you at such moments to know that i sincerely and from the bottom of my heart forgive this rash action and now my dearest mother hear my parting prayers for your happiness at this moment a noise in the next room convinced adeline that her mother had fallen down in a fainting fit and the doctor entered the room what have i done she exclaimed go to her this instant he obeyed raising up mrs mowbray in his arms he laid her on the bed while adeline bent over her in silent anguish with all the sorrow of filial anxiety but when the remedies which dr norbury administered began to take effect she exclaimed for the last time cruel but most dear mother and pressed her head to her bosom and kissed her pale lips with almost frantic emotion mrs mowbray opened her eyes they met those of adeline and instantly closed again she has looked at me for the last time said adeline and now this one kiss my mother and farewell forever so saying she rushed out of the room and did not stop till she reached the coach and springing into it was received into the arms of glenmurray you are my all now she said you have long been mine replied he but respecting the anguish and disappointment depicted on her countenance he forbore to ask for an explanation and resting her pale cheek on his bosom they reached the inn in silence adeline had walked up and down the room a number of times had as often looked out of the window before dr norbury whom she had been anxiously expecting and looking for made his appearance thank god you are come at last she said seizing his hand as he entered i left mrs mowbray he replied much better both in mind and body a blessed hearing replied adeline and you my child how are you asked the doctor affectionately i know not yet answered adeline mournfully as yet i am stunned by the blow which i have received but pray tell me what has passed between you and my mother since we left the hotel what has passed cried dr norbury starting from his chair taking two hasty strides across the room pulling up the cape of his coat and muttering an oath between his shut teeth why this passed the deluded woman renounced her daughter and her friend 
her old and faithful friend has renounced her oh my poor mother exclaimed adeline girl girl don't be foolish replied the doctor keep your pity for more deserving objects and as the wisest thing you can do endeavor to forget your mother forget her never well well you will be wiser in time and now you shall hear all that passed when she recovered entirely and found that you were gone she gave way to an agony of sorrow such as i never before witnessed for i believe that i never beheld before the agony of remorse my poor mother cried adeline again bursting into tears what again exclaimed the doctor adeline motioned to him to go on and he continued at sight of this i was weak enough to pity her and with the greatest simplicity i told her that i was glad to see that she felt penitent for her conduct since penitence paved the way to amendment when to my great surprise all the vanished fierceness and haughtiness of her look returned and she told me that so far from repenting she approved of her conduct and that remorse had no share in her sorrow that she wept from consciousness of misery but of misery inflicted by the faults of others not her own oh dr norbury cried adeline reproachfully i doubt by awakening her pride you destroyed the tenderness returning towards me maybe so however so much the better for anger is a less painful state of mind to endure than that of remorse and while she thinks herself only injured and aggrieved she will be less unhappy then continued adeline in a faltering voice i care not how long she hates me dr norbury looked at adeline a moment with tears in his eyes and evidently gulped down a rising sob good child good child at length he articulated yet no girl girl your virtue only heaps coals of fire on that devoted woman's head for pity's sake dr norbury cried adeline well well i have done but she'll forget and forgive all in time i no doubt impossible remember her oath and do you really suppose that she will think herself bound to keep so silly and rash an oath an oath made in the heat of passion undoubtedly i do and i know that were she to break it she would never be otherwise than wretched all her life after therefore unless glenmurray forsakes me she added trying to smile archly as she spoke and this i am not happy enough to expect i look on our separation in this world to be eternal you do then poor devil how miserable she will be when her present resentment shall subside well when that time comes i may perhaps see her again added the doctor gulping again heaven bless you for that intention cried adeline but how could you ever have the heart to renounce her sounds girl you are almost as provoking as your mother why how could i have the heart to do otherwise when she whitewashed herself and blackened you to be sure it did cost me a twinge or two to do it and had she been an iota less haughty i should have turned back and said kiss and be friends again but she seemed so provokingly anxious to get rid of me and waved me with her hand to the door in such a darn tragedy queen sort of manner and having told her very civilly to go to the devil her own way i gulped down a sort of tender choking in my throat and made as rapid an exit as possible and now another trial awaits me i came to town at some inconvenience to myself to try to do you service i have failed and have now no further business here so we must part and god knows when we shall meet again for i rarely leave home 
and may not see you again for years indeed exclaimed adeline surely looking at glenmurray we might settle in dr norbury's neighborhood glenmurray said nothing but looked at the doctor who seemed confused and was silent look ye my dear girl said he at length the idea of your settling near me had occurred to me but here he took two hasty strides across the room in short that's an impossible thing so i beg you to think no more about it if indeed you mean to marry glenmurray which i shall not do replied adeline coldly there again now cried the doctor pettishly you in your way are quite as obstinate and ridiculous as your mother however i hope you will know better in time but it grows late tis time i should be in my chaise and i hear it driving up mr glenmurray continued he in a faltering tone of voice to your care and your tenderness i leave this poor child and zounds man if you will burn your books before her face and swear that they are stuff wide death i say i would come to town on purpose to do you homage adeline my child god bless you i have loved you from your infancy and i wish from my soul that i left you in a better situation but will you write to me eh undoubtedly well one kiss don't be jealous glenmurray your hand man wounds what a hand my dear fellow take care of yourself for that poor child's sake get the advice which i recommended and good air a rising sob interrupted him he hemmed it off and ran into his chaise End of chapter 16 Recording by Pam Moscato